The death of a loved one and the grief that follows is one of the hardest experiences we as human beings can go through. We have all surely known someone who was grieving the loss of someone close to them, whether it be a parent, spouse, child, or friend. It can be incredibly hard to know exactly what to say or do to help comfort that person in their time of need. Perhaps you're listening to this and you are the person who is grieving. Our hope is that you'll find solace and some form of peace through this episode in your healing process and that the reality of this pain you're feeling will be a reminder of how lucky you were enough to have love in your life. Welcome to our Thursday edition of the Tweets and Tonic podcast. I'm your host, Mandy. And I'm your other host, Laura Beth. Our hope with these episodes airing every Thursday is to bring a diverse look to conversations we are all having and to make you laugh a little along the way. We are full of lots of thoughts and opinions on all matter of things and experts in none of it. If you're curious about life and you like to laugh a little, pour yourself a drink because this is the podcast for you. Our guest today on Tweets and Tonic is Haley Harris. Haley said she is the mom to the cutest little babe you'll ever see and wife to the best guy for her. She loves the Lord a lot, and if she could, she'd have a counseling baking practice where it's perfectly healthy to bake cookies while talking about feelings. All right, Haley, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. So we're going to talk about something that may not be the most happy topic of the year, and before we do that, I have a couple of housekeeping items. Number one, yes, we know the president was impeached tonight. We are not going to talk about that in this episode. You can sign up and get our newsletter and hear our thoughts and opinions on Friday. And number two, we realize that this could be a trigger topic for some people. And if that is you, and if this episode triggers something in you, we do encourage you to please get help. And though some of us on this podcast have a little more education in this field than the rest of us, we're not (laughs) claiming this to be a therapy session or any level of expertise that you should rely on instead of your personal therapy. So with that, Haley, we're going to kick it off with you with our very first tweet of the night. Okay. It's coming from uh, Sam, again, another one of these, Sam Bowie. (laughs) Um, this person, yeah, boy, (laughs) tweeted, uh, Christmas is just around the corner. The Christmas tree is up and decorated. Christmas songs fill the air and everywhere I go, people are spreading holiday cheer. But for me, who will be facing the first Christmas without mom, this season can also bring massive grief. So... Kind of the idea behind this episode tonight is that though this is the happiest time of year, allegedly, it may not be the merriest time for some because of grief. So, Haley, from your perspective, the holidays can be a little harder for people that are dealing with things like this. What have you seen in your line of work? Um. Well, we as counselors in general, just in the practice that I'm at, um, we as counselors remind each other that this is a season that can be um, very dark for a lot of people because we see a lot more sadness. We see more grief. We see um, more thoughts of suicide or talking about death. Um, 
And, you know, I have a history of working in the prisons and this was probably one of the hardest times um, for the offenders because they don't have family. Um, you know, they might have like the, the celebration that they might get is extra commissary or extra food on their plate. Um, but a lot of them just don't have family that are able to come visit them. And so this will be my first Christmas in private practice only. And so that has been where, you know, I'm seeing a lot of teenagers and young adults and the grief isn't necessarily hitting them as much right now with the caseload that I have. But overall, um, yeah, Christmas is hard, um, especially for those people where loss has been recent or where there's no way for them to connect with even family members, even if they're there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. LB, last week we talked a little bit about this and the fact that we both lost our dads. Um, Christmas isn't always the merriest time of year. And part of that is because it creates a new normal, if you can really even use that word, for our families and our circumstances. What do you think is about that that makes it so complicated? I think a lot of it is just the, you're consistently forced into a life that at the same time, everything inside of you is pushing against it saying, this isn't normal. It's not supposed to be this way. But the reality is, this is what your new normal, which I, I hate that. But at the same time, it's, that's the reality of it. Uh, it almost feels like there's two wars waging inside of you. Uh, this is not how it's supposed to be. And also, this is how it is. Yeah. So that's, I think that that makes it at Christmas time with the, when you do want to move forward and you do want to make healthy choices and you do want to, whatever that looks like whatever healing looks like whatever progressing or moving forward looks like um it's still the pain of leaving something behind because you can't take it with you yeah yeah the next tweet is from skipper chic with some really spectacular twitter handles tonight but um (laughs) This is a lady named Stacy. She tweeted, people aren't kidding when they say that grief will hit you in the weirdest places and times. Walking in a Christmas parade and I just started crying. No rhyme or reason. Can I just skip December this year? And I can relate to this and I kind of have that feeling every year because actually the anniversary of my dad's death is December 1st. So it's a spectacular way to kick off the holidays. Um, But... um, I think there's a lot of truth to this, too, because, and Haley, I don't know if this is, like, textbook at all, but I think a lot of times when we are going through grief, we kind of, like, coach ourselves up and think, like, okay, the holidays are coming. I've got to brace myself. I have to prepare. The anniversary of the passing is coming or their birthday. So it's like we're ready for these big things. But then it's like a random Tuesday and you're walking into Walmart and like mm-hmm. it hits you like a ton of bricks, you know. And I think that I can't prepare for everything in life. But um, what are some ways that we can, you know, we are two people going through grief. And I think we even said in our intro that there's 
I don't know anybody that's not dealing with some form of grief in some capacity. Can you give us some ideas around like what we can do to kind of prepare for this, even though, I mean, you can't always be on guard, but some things to just kind of have in your back pocket for when these out of the blue moments happen. Yeah. So to, to just real quick piggyback on that, I was talking with my sister who has been through some pretty, difficult grief situations and we were talking about it and she said the best piece of advice that anyone had ever given her was that grief is like the ocean and there are going to be days when the water is really calm and everything is great and then all of a sudden you're going to feel a few ripples or out of nowhere there's going to be a big monsoon and when you're in the midst of that, it's remembering that, okay, at some point in time, the waters will be still again. I don't Mm -hmm. know for how long, I don't know when they're going to be still again, but I know that there will be that time. And so when I talk with clients about how do you manage when something just overwhelmingly hits you, we talk about being mindful, allowing yourself to feel those emotions Um, my sister was explaining to me the other day, she was washing her dishes and she looked over and saw her daughter dancing and she just started bawling her eyes out. And it was a moment when grief just hit her and she allowed herself to feel, and then she allowed herself to go in there and play with her daughter to feel the happiness. And so I think that is the biggest thing that I encourage is allowing yourself to feel those feelings. Um, when we try to avoid them or when we try to stuff them, they're going to come back up. Um, and so I like to explain to, especially like younger kids that when you're cooking a pot of rice, you have to keep stirring it or else it's going to bubble out. And that's what our emotions are like. We have to keep stirring it. We have to keep working through it or somehow, some way it's going to come out. And it might not be that pretty. <laughs> and so it's usually not. Nope. <laughs> Exhibit A. <laughs> yeah. So we work on things like mindfulness or we work on things yeah. like grounding or deep breathing, um, allowing yourself to feel that moment and finding some piece of hope or some type of what we call like a safe word that when you're overwhelmed, you're just like, okay, I'm going to feel this. But in a moment, there will be peace. Yeah. And just reminding yourself that there is hope on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Be what, um, in your experience and in your journey, what gets you through those out of the blue moments? I will say for me, what it has been in the last year or not even two, I would say 12 to 18 months, what it's looked like is different than what it's looked like as a whole in the last Almost nine years since I lost my dad. Um, What has been the most helpful is in those moments of too much of um, just really just when grief hits you out of nowhere is recognizing and calling it what it is and not playing the, I don't know why I'm sad. I don't know. Crap. Yeah, you do know why you're sad. Like, you lost your dad or you lost your mom or you lost your kid and it's Christmas. And I think a lot of it is just for me been giving myself a voice to say out loud, this is hard, 
and this is why this is hard. And I've got so many good people around me that, I mean, even this week in the last two days, like have reached out to them and okay, this is really hard right now. And this is what I'm going through. And I think the biggest, the absolute biggest thing I would say to anybody is figure out how to vocalize it. Cause the more you can say it out loud and the more of your people, your safe people that you can tell what is going on and what's wrong, the less power that grief has over your mind mm-hmm. and the more you take control of your grief and of your mindset and of the situation when you say it out loud and tell your people. Yeah. Um, I was thinking to myself, like what my answer to this question would be for me. And I know we've said it several times here on the podcast about asking questions about like, what's the next right thing. But Mm -hmm. I think that's what I've had to remember in my now 13 years uh, in this journey. And that's in losing my dad. And that's something else I was going to bring up too. Like we've obviously suffered great loss in the realm of death, but there's, you know, there's grief with a lot of things. It's not always just death, you know, it can be, I don't know, like broken relationships, lost jobs, all kinds of things. But um, one of the things I was thinking about, like, how did I, or how do I get through the random moments? And it really is like, I just stop and I'm like, what's the next thing? And it's kind of like you were saying, Haley, like that wave is going to pass, you know? Yeah. And um, you just kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I think that for me, I used to get so discouraged by that answer because I wanted something better. I wanted Uh something even either more permanent yeah. or like monumental or yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know, but it really was just left, right. You know? And so I think that that kind of leads us to the next tweet, which is actually a quote as well. But Megan McCain, the daughter of um, Senator McCain. Yes. My old <laughs> boss. I should remember his name. Um, trying to help. Uh, she t- she tweeted uh, William Faulkner's quote, between grief and nothing, I will take grief. And yeah. I've thought a lot about this, this quote and this sentiment. And, you know, you hear people say all the time, like, if you have grief, it means you've loved someone and it's a high price to pay, but it's worth it. And while all that is very true um, and very hallmarky, um, no offense, I'll be to your favorite movie channel, but... Um, <laughs> That doesn't, uh, that doesn't lessen the pain at all. And, um, sure. In the grand scheme of things, I would still take the, however many years, 24 or five years that I have with my dad, but that doesn't diminish the grief that I experience now in his loss. Um, Haley, I know you've probably heard that kind of statement before. What would you say to somebody that is hearing that quote? Like, if they had a problem with it or if they were trying to, like, grasp I just mean the thought of, like, you know, grief means you've loved before, you know, and that you had a deep love. Like, how do we handle that? Because, sure, we've loved, but that doesn't erase the pain. Right. I think that's what I would ask the person. Like, if someone came into my office and they're trying to process something and they're like, well, I guess it means, though, that I've loved someone. I think the biggest thing is like, okay, you did, but you still are grieving and that's still sad and that's still hard. And we can still talk about that. I think, um, 
if it's in a way of trying to minimize the pain, I don't, I don't encourage minimizing just to kind of stuff it away. Um, it's like, okay, you, you did love. So let's talk about that love. Sometimes I think mm-hmm. people forget that it's okay to talk about the person that you've lost or the thing that you've lost. Um, and it is oftentimes just very therapeutic for someone to come in and just talk about it. And I never say a single word for those Uh 50 minutes and they just talk about the memories. They talk about the wishes that they could have. They think about everything that it could have been or what it would be like with or without them and allowing them to just kind of reminisce and say, okay, Yes, you would have rather, you would rather be feeling this grief because it does mean that you love, but let's either A, let's talk about what it's like to be sad or let's just talk about them in a good way. Let's, let's talk about the things that you want to talk about. Because I think so often when you are going through grief, your life feels like it has stopped Mm -hmm. and it's very frustrating when life around you keeps going on when your friends forget to check in on you, or it seems like you're the only one that's stuck thinking like, oh my gosh, what, why am I so sad when everyone is totally fine? And so just being that ear, um, to allow them to say whatever it is that they want to say. And, and on the other end, there are some people who need to process the the bad parts of it like maybe I'm not yeah. so mad that they're gone maybe I'm yeah. not so mad that I don't have to deal with this part of that anymore you know yeah. and allowing that to even be a thing too you yeah. know yeah. yeah I'll yeah. say LB, sorry. I was gonna I was gonna pass it to you so you go <laughs> ahead um I like yes and amen to everything you just said because One of the, like, at the beginning, one of the most healing things was hanging out with my dad's friends and talking to them and hearing stories about him from them. And where I'm at now in life, um, I can count on one hand how many of my friends know my dad or knew my dad. And the most loving thing you can do for somebody I think and there may be somebody that disagrees with me but for me the most loving thing you could do is to talk to me about my dad and to ask about him and to ask how he was or what what would he say or what would he think or what was something he did around the holidays or whatever and it's just that acknowledgement that he was here and he lived and he was a part of my life and he is the reason why I am the way I am in a thousand ways and it is so healing to talk about the person that's gone and to acknowledge it um and I think I mean I would say even for parents that have lost children um We've had some people very close to us that have lived here and that lived when we lived in Missouri that lost kids. And just talking about them and saying, man, I miss them too. Man, they were funny when they did whatever, or he always used to say this, or I just think um, 
don't take for granted that just because that person's sad that that means they don't want to talk about it. Like that may be the the thing that they want to talk about. Absolutely. My sister, she um, lost her little boy way too soon. He was born just a little too early. And so they, every year, they still hang a stocking for him. And when she talks about that, she says, you know, some people may think it's weird. Um, Some people might not agree with it. Some people might have questions or they don't want to acknowledge, but for her, it's that ability to acknowledge that he existed. Those were her words. He existed. And I think that that is so important that some people want to tiptoe around the fact that someone has passed away or like, Oh, I don't want to make them feel sad if we talk about him. But Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, you're going to bring so much relief to that person. How are you doing? Tell me about him. Tell me what look like what were things yeah what do you remember what was the most exciting thing or just how are you doing you know and for my sister her ability to hang that stocking and to acknowledge his existence and one of the things that they do with it now is it's like well that's to show that he existed and that's our ability that if people want to make a donation they put it in the stocking and we will pick an organization this year to help with babies who are sick or to help with moms who have lost babies or to help you know whatever it is. And it helps just always honor that he was there. And in the holiday season, we know that those people aren't there. We know logically in our minds and we can find extreme healing by maybe not doing the exact same thing that we did when they were here, but doing maybe a little bitty something to just remember them to just say, okay, dad, I remember that you're here. And wish you were here, dad, but, you know, this will work, you know? Yeah. Um, You know, the theme of this episode is what to do when the holidays don't look like we think they should. And I think that's amazing that your sister does that. And I remember in the, well, the first year after my dad died was only like 24 days later. I don't think we even did Christmas decorations. I can't remember now, but the first year or two, we still hung his stocking, um, And then we kind of just, without saying anything, stopped, you know, Mm -hmm. and we still hang his like personalized ornaments and stuff like that. But what are some tangible things, Haley, from your perspective that we can do for, for people who are grieving to help them during this holiday season? I mean, it's not going to look like they think it should and that we think it should for them, but it's kind of that saying it is what it is. And so what are some things we can do to kind of help them through this season I I would say just ask them just Mm -hmm. say hey would you like me to come over and help you decorate your house or would you like me to come over and just sit on your couch while we decide to not decorate your house Um, you know would it be helpful if we went and did something that your family used to do together or Mm -hmm. would it be helpful if we just sat around a fire and talked about those memories. I think allowing the grieving person to do what feels right to them in that moment is going to be what helps them the most because we all have our opinions of what things quote unquote should look like. And if I'm not the one going through it, 
especially when it's so deep and so hard, especially those first, those first Christmases, those first anniversaries, those are always the hardest. Yeah. But I might know what it quote unquote should like, should look like on my end if I were going through it, but I don't know what it's supposed to look like for someone else. And for some people, it's very therapeutic to do everything exactly how it used to be. For other people, let's completely change it up. Mm-hmm. And allowing those people to learn and sit with them when they recognize that, oh, never mind, this isn't working. <laughs> let's let's yeah. back out. Never mind. Let's not decorate the tree. Let's, let's just stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah. Bad Abort idea. Let's, nope. mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, let's take it all back down. All right. We <laughs> We'll box it back up. Um, LB, what are some things that have um, helped you during the holidays when it doesn't look like it's supposed to to you? And so what are some things that either people have done for you or you've done yourself or your family has done to kind of help you with that feeling? I would say for me, because I am still single, um, is just invite that person in to do what your family's doing um i made it real far without getting teary and i've got a lump in my throat right now so we're coming i was trying to take everybody (laughs) (laughs) um but i really think it one is acknowledging that there's a void there and acknowledging that there is hardness to the situation but I think just a, um, hey, come have dinner with us. Or, I man, I've got some good friends that they will have aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents in. And will say, hey, everybody's going to be at the house tonight. It's going to be insane. But we're playing games and eating. Come over and have dinner with us. Like, I think it is just... Um, that for me has been the most just helpful because they, I know why they invited me and they know why they invited me, but it's just the fact that they didn't try and do anything to change or make it, you know, you can't fix it. You can't say anything to fix it. You can't put a bandaid on it and just, hey come have dinner with us or hey we're all going to look at christmas lights tonight and it's probably going to be a shit show but come on like come with us or whatever Mm -hmm. and i think just the invite your people into whatever you're doing and don't take for granted that they'd probably probably rather do something else yeah um that kind of leads us to a topic that I'm actually excited to talk about in this part because I'm interested to get y'all's perspective. But um, another interesting Twitter handle, Ophelia Slumbers, um, Jen George, tweeted, you know what? It's okay to tear up at Target if you're having a blue Christmas. I give you and myself permission. Hashtag grief. Yeah. I'm really interested in this topic because I don't know how how y'all feel about this, but I think it is incredibly hard to give myself permission for anything, whether that's grief or spending money or anything, but I'll be the first to give you permission for that. Um, and I don't know why that is. I'm sure Haley has some textbook explanation for me, but, um, (laughs) I do think it's, 
I do think it's super important to say to yourself and to other people, like, it's okay to be super sad and it's okay yeah. to be mad or, um, LB, you and I've talked about this recently, like, and I pray, like, I'm pretty raw and honest. Like, I don't hold anything back. I think it's kind of a waste of time for me personally. <laughs> and so at some point in my grief journey, I just gave my permission, myself permission to be real with God because I felt like it was sort of a waste of time otherwise. And some days that looks like I'm, you know, joyful and thankful and grateful and happy. And then there's other days I'm just mad as hell. And um, I guess my question, Haley, for you is, why is that so hard? Why are we so quick to give other people permission, but so slow to give it to ourselves? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> I think hey, I'll say this real quick. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but I think not even talking like not on the subject of grief, but I would say even like specifically for you, Haley, like how much easier is it to give other people and other moms a break for the mom guilt or I have to do X, Y, and Z or whatever. Like you can have so much grace for somebody else and oh my gosh, don't be so hard on yourself, but you're going to be that hard on you. Like what is... I mean, I think that translates into so many more situations than just grief of we're quick to give somebody else grace and permission to feel their feelings and go through the hard thing and give yourself time or whatnot. But it's hard for us to give that same permission and grace to ourselves. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, honestly the first thing that comes to my mind goes completely opposite of this. But when we look at scripture and it tells us to look at the log in our own eye versus looking at the speck in someone else, I think there's a reason for that, which is our tendency to just look at other people first um, in whatever capacity that is good or bad. And I think, some people just aren't as um, self-aware sometimes. I think they don't necessarily recognize that they're not giving themselves grace or they don't recognize that they're being so hard on themselves. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when I'm wearing my counselor hat, it's really easy for me to see when other people are being really hard on themselves or telling themselves these lies of I have to do X, Y, and Z, or they are basically reciting everything that they have learned growing up. Um, yeah. When I'm wearing friend hat, Haley, it's still almost just as easy. So I would say, I don't know that I have a clinical answer for that other than mm -hmm. like, honestly, it's just easier to see everyone else than it is ourselves. And there might be some guilt that we naturally tend to deal with. There might be shame that we naturally tend to deal with. Um, and honestly, I just think that's the enemy's way of just keeping us down, keeping us confused, yeah. keeping us in this never-ending struggle of just 
chaos in our own life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I don't know, it's, it just, it is always easier to see what someone else is going through and having insight into that versus having insight into our own life. Yeah. 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 Um, the next tweet is from Liam Fitzpatrick, maybe. It's a good, good try. Um, Twitter handle is Psychology, And they tweeted, I loved Christmas. Then grief arrived and I struggled. A clash between the joy of the season and the sorrow in my heart. Nearing my third Christmas without Dara, I feel more able to carry the pain of loss. To those behind me on the path of grief, it does get different. Hashtag hold hope. First of all, I have to say the reason I picked this tweet uh, <laughs> was literally the last sentence. To those behind me on the path of grief, it does get different. I've never heard it worded that way, but I was yeah. very grateful to read it because you always hear the, oh, it gets better. Time heals all wounds. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and throw the flag on that. I think it's crap. And um <laughs> It's so cliche. I can't stand it when people say it. I just instantly feel the eye roll coming. Um, It's not true. So stop being a liar. It doesn't look good on you. Um, But I like that it does get different. Mm -hmm. And that's true. It does. Um, Because I can tell you 13 years later, it looks completely different than it did even two years ago. But let alone 12 years ago, you know? Yeah. LB for you, a couple of years into your journey with grief now, how does it look different for you? I think, and Haley can brag on me as much as she wants to. <laughs> Never. Oh, Lord, I'm not ready. Hold on. Okay. All right. Go get your refill. Um, yeah. I, I would say what grief looks like now and the difference in the last, you know, because it's been almost, this is the eighth Christmas. Um, I think every other year it was fighting to, um, I'm okay. It's okay. It's hard, but that's fine. Like, it's supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be easy. It's, you know, he was a great dad. I loved him a ton. We had a great relationship. Like, this is supposed to be hard or whatnot. And so it was almost like consistently excusing my hard away and not giving, not allowing it to have a voice. And I think now of, um, I mean, that's like, I mean, yesterday I talked to both of you between yesterday and today of just, this is really, really hard. And I, anybody that really knows me or probably has listened to two podcasts by now, um, (laughs) I do not like feeling feelings. I do not like being sad. I do not like um, uncomfortable. I don't like situations that may be a little hairy and I don't know how to navigate through them. I would just rather avoid all of it. And just, it's fine. It's okay. We're all going to be fine. (laughs) Such a seven. (laughs) A hundred percent textbook seven. But I think what this year specifically has been the biggest, 
I have changed the most in my life um, on several different facets, but mentally I'm the healthiest I've been in probably my entire life um, before dad passed and since. And I think it is figuring out how to hold grief in one hand and hold joy in the other hand and realizing that they can exist at the same time together. And you don't have to, just because you're happy about something and just because you're excited about something doesn't mean you're also not sad that that person's not here to share in that. Doesn't mean that you're also not hurting because you can't have that conversation with somebody that you want to. Um, And that could also, I think, like that's a loss of a relationship, Uh, which I think like, I mean, I've experienced that in the last year of where they didn't die, but they're also not a part of your life anymore. And I think it is just navigating what it is like to hold joy and grief at the same time and to walk through it and navigate it with both. Yeah. Haley, um, we mentioned and we joke about the Enneagram a lot um, (laughs) because Mark is a textbook seven, but whatever. Um, And um, your personality type is a one. It's a little bit different is how we'll put that. A little bit different than a seven. Um, And that is my wing, so I can relate. Um, How much does personality play into the grief journey? I, it's, it's pretty big, I would say, um, simply because we all experience things in a different way because we all have different personalities. So we're all going to heal different ways. We're all going to cope different ways. Um, some people have a higher propensity to have a naturally hopeful mentality, um, so those who have higher hope naturally are going to naturally have more motivation to do the healing steps, to do the healing journeys. Um, there are some people who it takes a lot of work to find joy, to find healing, to not want to run away from it. And so we absolutely, our personalities are going to play into how we heal as a one who always <laughs> who is always right um, thank you for the hair flip does, does everything perfectly yeah I do everything perfectly and when I'm wrong I admit that I'm wrong so I'm right about being wrong again <laughs> right. um Clearly. you are well <laughs> Oh, Lord. (laughs) But even for me, who the the high achieving natural tendency, I can go the far other end and feel like I have to grieve in a perfect way. I have to heal in a perfect way. And there is no such thing as a perfect way. Um, And sometimes you can definitely lose sight of just what healing looks like based on just how your personality is. And so my husband is a dear sweet seven 
And yeah, yes. <laughs> God bless you, Beth. Oh, oh, man. Us all. Um, and, and honestly, truly, he has taught me and Laura has taught me that we're the best. I would not say that. I would say it's <laughs> <laughs> simply that there are other ways and that's yeah. totally fine. Um, that not everyone's grief journey looks the same and that it doesn't have to follow this really pretty line Mm -hmm. because that's, that's not correct. And so, yeah, personalities play huge genetics play huge. I mean, so many things play into how we navigate grief. Yeah. I think I'll say real quick of just, I think people need to give themselves permission that what it looks like for me to navigate through grief and what it looks like for you to navigate through grief is not the same, but it doesn't mean you're not getting through it. It doesn't mean that you're not navigating. It just means it doesn't look the same. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And that goes back to the giving yourself grace and giving yourself permission to grieve of it's not, I mean, what my healing looks like and what my journey looks like does not look like my brothers. It does not look like my sisters and we lost the same thing. Yeah. I think that that is so important to remember of yours is not like there are textbook answers and there are, common thread answers that your friends can give you and also there's only one you mm-hmm. so yeah. one of the things that um this person uh had in their tweet at the end they said hashtag hold hope and when we started talking about this doing this episode which i would like to remind you was your idea lb but um <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh, just saying um one of the things we talked about was I think you said to me, I wonder if there's some kind of like serotonin release or something Mm -hmm. when hope actually occurs in a person. So Haley, one of the things I was wondering along that lines is me and I could uh, probably tell you a lot of the things that have come physically and psychologically from grief. Um, Let's talk about that though, from kind of a clinical standpoint, Um, not to sound like by using that word but (laughs) what are some of the things that happen when grief occurs first and then let's flip the the script and talk about what happens when hope occurs in a person give it to us straight Um, (laughs) grief is what we would oftentimes consider like a traumatic event right like it is something even when you expect it it's still some type of trauma um, and so when trauma happens, it naturally changes our brain chemistry, even if so ever so briefly. And so things that happen physically is you're going to experience like what mimics depression or anything. Mm-hmm. So you might have where you eat too much or you eat too little, or you can't sleep at all, or you're restless. And then like, you're just exhausted throughout the day. Um, they have what they call broken heart syndrome, which oftentimes happens in women more than men. Um, but it is this cardiac event that mimics a heart attack and, Mm. um, which is like a real thing. 
and so um rare but real um and then you know people who are sad like stress builds stress produces cortisol and all this different stress hormones and all of that stuff so that's just going to have an effect on your body so think about when you've been stressed before and what happens to your body that same very similar thing is happening during grief and then you've got the like mental and emotional side of things so you're going to have this sadness this anxiety this fear you're going to have loneliness this feeling of emptiness um you're going to have confusion and disorientation um some people go as far they have hallucinations like where they will feel like they hear or see the person that they have like especially when you've been in that house with someone so like you hear like mamas will hear like the phantom crying or you know I've even had a family member of mine who she was like no like he like he was sitting on my bed like he was sitting on my bed and having a conversation with me um and so there's all of these different symptoms that just kind of appear that though temporary they are pretty intense um and it's, it, it typically like wreaks havoc on your brain and your body for a while. And especially in relation to like a traumatic grief, like a, a traumatic event related grief. So like someone who has passed away of suicide or homicide, um, where there was something very visibly traumatic that happened in the midst of the death, um, that can also cause some of those things to intensify. And so then on the flip side of that, you have hope and hope is as Christians, it's one of like the triad of faith, hope, and love. And so that's what we possess as believers, but also hope is the positive energy that basically comes from believing in something greater than what is happening right now. And so that naturally releases endorphins. And what did they call them? They called them something. <laughs> Encephalins. Not okay. really sure what that was. But it mimics morphine. So there's that. Oh. Um, so <laughs> nice. Yeah, I need to that. give me some hope. You're welcome. Um, yep. <laughs> But so hope is that ability to think positively. It's what gives you that drive. When you, when you have hope, you're going to feel good. There's going to be motivation. There's going to be um, energy, higher concentration. Um, you're going to achieve your goals. You're going to be able to have a peace and a trust um, that comes with all of that. And so it's just, it's the absolute opposite of just, High energy, high motivation, just those feel good, happy emotions and endorphins that come from hope. And as believers, we know that that can come in the midst of tragedy. Um, That's that um, unexplained peace and the the, or the peace that passes all understanding and that unexplained hope. It's Hebrews six nineteen talks about how hope is the anchor for our soul, steadfast and secure, and that is. The hope that we have is it gives us just enough motivation to keep going. Um, One of the, (laughs) 
in classic one fashion in all of my research. Um, one of the TED Talks that I listened to, um, they were talking about grief. And when we are in a relationship with someone, whatever that relationship looks like, you know, father, daughter, husband, wife, whatever, we have a motivation to be with that person, right? And when we are separated from them, we have a desire to reconnect with them. And then we get to do that. That's exciting, right? We will do whatever it takes to be reconnected. And so when we lose that person permanently, we lose that motivation. We have to figure out what to do with that. And so when we find hope, we find a new motivation to find a new connection, knowing that it won't be the same as before, but it's a connection of sorts that can produce those same feelings of joy and happiness and excitement that you once had. You won't have those same memories. You won't have that same relationship, but you can still have those same feelings, which is what we all long for and yearn for yeah. in the midst of Greece, uh, grief. Sorry. Um, I think, and I posted it on my Facebook this week, but we can't have a podcast without mentioning Amy Downs. <laughs> oh, gracious. <laughs> Go ahead. We haven't yet. I can't start now. True, true. But she, a um, couple of days ago on her podcast, she was talking to Alex Seeley. And one of the questions she asked was, and I don't remember which one of them asked it, but they said, what would your faith look like today if you knew that God was going to answer your prayer tomorrow? And I think that is that hope of he's going to answer your prayer. It's going to be better. I'm going to turn the corner instead of the thought of it's another Christmas. It's going to suck. It's another holiday, anniversary, birthday, anything like that. That's not going to look like it's supposed to. But that hope gives us a... This is going to be another Christmas that's going to be good. This one is going to be better than last year. This anniversary is going to be better than last year's. This birthday is going to be better than last year's. And I think it is, it is sometimes, and I hate to, and I'm not, but that like the positive vibes and positive self-talk and all that, like, I don't think it's, I I don't want to jump on that train, but at the same time, I do think it is saying the positive thing of, if you think it's going to get better, it's going to get better. And I think that, I don't remember, maybe, I don't know if you maybe said this quote on one of our past podcasts, but whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And I think it is that power of, which, like, you didn't quote that. Somebody way smarter than both of us did. (laughs) I think. I'm a a (laughs) one-wing. That's right. Listen, I only act like y'all when I'm stressed, and it is ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before... Before we get to the last tweet, um, because we do want to leave people with some ways to help them through this holiday season. But before we get there, I have my famous last questions for both of you. Oh, man. (laughs) This is usually when I get LB. So I'll start with you, Haley. (laughs) Lucky. 
<laughs> okay, Haley. What do you know about God now after walking through grief with people that you see as clients and within your family? Um, what I know about him that I didn't know before is that he is still always good. Um, which I know that sounds so simple and I know that sounds cheesy, whatever you want to say, but I would say one of the hardest times that I walked through someone with grief was when my sister lost her baby. And I remember just being so angry that why would this happen? And being so just all the emotions about it. Um, but still feeling that comfort, even when I was throwing my tantrum, still feeling his hand and his arms of goodness saying, you're going to be okay. Um, even when I was angry and didn't deserve any of that, like he is still good. And I think I just learned a new um, tenderness about him that I maybe didn't necessarily know before. Um because he was, he was so gentle when I was so angry. Um, and I think that that was something that I don't, I for sure never knew about him before. I was too busy trying to please and, you know, either make the right decisions or just like avoid him for acting like he never saw me make the wrong ones. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Like, haha, you can't see me. Um, but yeah, that he is still good, that he is very tender, that he is yeah. kind and that he doesn't want this for us either. This wasn't part of his design. Um, and so, yeah, that's just a tenderness of him that he's not so scary <laughs> all the yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, LB, you ready? Are you going to answer this question too? If somebody I, mean, asked, I just but, need to know uh, that it's equal opportunity. <laughs> okay, I'll make you a deal. I'll answer after you do what I'm about okay. to ask you. Okay. What do you know about God now on this side of losing your dad that you did not know before he passed away? That his... Um, even when his plan doesn't look like my plan, his plan is good. And um, there are just, there's a laundry list of things that I still want, that I still don't have, that my life still doesn't look like. And also just the gentle, just his gentle whisper of, I'm still working out a good plan. Like, do you still, do you trust me? And that's what I feel like through all of this has been the question he's constantly asked of every time I am so ticked off that this still hasn't worked out or this looks like this or that looks like that or this is still hard. It's just that constant, do you trust me now? Do you trust me when this doesn't make sense? 
do you trust my plan when it doesn't look like yours? Are you still going to get on stage and sing and say, you're a good, good father. Do you believe that? And I think it's that. I think it is just trusting and submitting and just letting myself believe his plan is so much better than mine, even though it looks so different than my plan looks. Um, I think that my answer would actually be kind of a combination of the two answers you both gave. But I think for me, the, the phrase I would use really is that he's still God. You know, nothing about my earthly circumstances and nothing about the tragedy my family went through and my dad's passing Nothing about that shakes who he is, you know. Mm-hmm. It's changed what my earthly family's makeup looks like. Yeah. Um, and it's changed the dynamic that we have. But nothing changed about God. He's still who he's always said he, he is. And he will always be that. And I think there is a hope in that for me that... You know, in losing my dad, that's that's one of those blows where, you know, when you're a little kid, you, you never expect your parents are going to die, even though yeah. logic would tell you that eventually they will, right? Not if you're um, a seven, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. For the two one, it does. We're um, all living you're forever. Much, you're pretty much looking for burial plots at, like, kindergarten. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... The reality is you still have that hope that like maybe that's not going to happen. And I think the thing that I've learned about God is what I always knew, but I didn't know. I knew yeah, it was my head, yeah. but I knew it was my heart that yes. he doesn't change when my circumstances do. And yeah. when my world is rocked or in my mind destroyed, he's still good. He's still the good, good father, you know? And so... There's peace in that, even when it's hard. And I think that that's what we have to, um, and I say all the time, I've said it on this podcast, I say it to my husband all the time, I have no clue how people get through life without Jesus. I don't, I don't envy that. I don't, um, my little brain can't comprehend it because I don't know what I would do or would have done over the past 13 years without that hope. Mm -hmm. Um, So speaking of things we do to get through this, the last tweet comes from Lynn Barrowdale. Her handle is Marv Resources. She tweeted, the buildup for Christmas can be hard for many reasons, especially if, like me, there is someone missing from your Christmas who will never come back. Some reminders from at Option B, which is the organization that Sheryl Sandberg started in the wake of her husband's passing, said about how to show some kindness to yourself when managing your grief through this season. So she threw out seven ideas that came from option B. Um, Choose how I want to spend the holidays. Do only what feels right. Let people help. Feel however I feel. Talk about it or don't. Take care of myself and hold on to hope. Haley, I'd like your thoughts first on that list. Um, cause I had some thoughts on a couple of things on there, but I want your thoughts and then I want to hear your ideas. <laughs> um, originally when I read it, I was like, um, you don't need to 
feel how you feel. Feelings are liars, right? Like that's even I'm a counselor and those are the things that, you know, sometimes through hard times we have to go more with logic than feelings, right? Uh-huh. Um, but honestly, when you take those a little bit deeper, how I read those, choose how I want to spend the holidays. I see that as make sure you're setting boundaries um, because everyone is going to have their opinion of how you need to spend your holidays, right? But when you are in a very fragile state of mind, you have to set that boundary and say, okay, I might come over for a little bit, but being at this house makes me think of X, Y, and Z way too much. And I don't want to spend my whole day missing this or my whole day feeling so burdened by this or whatever the case is, right? Um, Sometimes family can be overwhelming or whoever part of that family is, right? And so we set that boundary. So I take the idea of, um, hold on, I just lost. The choose how I want to spend the holidays. Yes, here we go. I thought that I lost you right here. Um, choose how I want to spend the holidays. I see that as build boundaries. Um, do only what feels right. I take that as allow yourself to feel. And so if you're in the midst of decorating a Christmas tree and you realize that this is really hard, then you change your mind and you do something different. Um, my sister was really big on that her first year after they lost their son. Um, she decided I do not want to decorate for Christmas this year because to me, that's going to make me happy to not do that. And so I'm going to do that. And that was her way of processing that. So do what feels right to you. However, I also give the word of caution. Just make sure whatever you're doing that feels right isn't unhealthy. <laughs> Let's yeah. not eat yeah. five different cakes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Every like, Let's not do that. Let's not just get drunk on all the wine. Let's not do yeah. that. Right. Um, and then let people help. I feel like is very important, right? Allow people to come yeah. into your life. Allow people to bring you dinners. If you need to bring dinner, allow people to, if you have a role that you typically fit in during the holiday season. So you're the person who brings all the desserts or you're the person who always hosts don't do that this year. Allow mm-hmm. someone else to help you with that. You don't have to fit the role that you were so used to fitting. Um, feel Can however, I interrupt real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I think I told Mandy this last night, but that in the just literally this week of just life and this season and different things going on or whatnot, um, reached out to a handful of friends and asked for help and truly part of me did not want to but there was a bigger side of me that knew in my guts these people love love me so so much mm-hmm. and it would bring them so much joy to help me and not in a I don't say that in a prideful sense, but just in a reality of the situation, because I know that's how I am for my friends. Like I would much rather do something for you that I know is the most helpful. Mm-hmm. And so I think being able to be vulnerable enough and honest enough with yourself for 
this is what I need right now. And this is what is going to help me right now. And allowing your friends to fill that void for you. I just would say like, don't ever think that that is a burden. They're your friends. They mm-hmm. love you. Like you, like, which I feel like too is a seven thing of all my people love me, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we kind of do. <laughs> but I, what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it just is that like, man, how much more would they love to know that what they are doing right now is the thing that you need them to help you with? So being honest and letting your people help you and not, gosh, don't take that away from them. Because I really do believe in my guts that that is a joy to our people around us to know this, this is what I need right now. And this is how you can step up and love me. And honestly, for most of the time, the people you ask, like, it is nothing to them. Mm-hmm. It is the easiest thing in the world for them to go have lunch with you, invite you over for dinner, do whatever, like, it is so, and it doesn't have to revolve around food. I realized both of those did. <laughs> like, <laughs> it always makes us feel better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just don't don't think that for a second that your people truly don't want to love on you and do whatever they can because grief is so weird and hairy and people don't know what to do and don't know how to help or whatnot and man if you can vocalize and say this is what I need right now that is a gift to your people that are love Mm -hmm. you and are trying to help you through it yeah yeah. You can carry on now. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the feel, however, I feel that goes back to, I think what we talked about, like allow your feelings, like when those waves hit, walk through them and then keep walking through, like keep walking yeah. out of them. Um, talk about it or don't. I think this is a big one for some people. When, how I encourage if you don't want to talk about it, because some people are talkers, that's how they process. Other people are doers, right? So when someone says, I don't want to talk about it, okay, but will you do something? Um, how can you make this grief productive? How can you turn what is really hard into something that can be good? So don't talk about it. That's fine. But how are you still going to work through this? How are you still going to navigate through it? Um in the midst of that. So that's what I would say with that. Take care of myself. Um, Yes, I think when we take care of ourselves, um, and let's, let's be clear here, in my opinion, um, self care doesn't always look like going and getting a massage and getting pedicures and all of these really fancy things, right? Taking care of yourself means being kind to yourself. Um, It is allowing yourself to feel those feelings if you have them being um, taking care of yourself means getting up and brushing your hair because even though you don't feel like doing it and there's no one coming over it might just make you feel a little bit good right Um, it doesn't have to be these like oh self-care here's my you know big fancy nails like that's that's not what taking care of yourself looks like um it's really easy in the midst of grief 
to want to sit in it. So to lay in bed, um, to mourn and sorrow over in just really, really unhealthy ways. Um, but if you can take a few steps each day to, to just be kind to yourself, whatever that looks like, um, that's really important. Um, and what looks kind to you today might look very different tomorrow and that's okay. Um, and then hold on to hope, always hold on to hope. I always, I always talk to clients when they are feeling hopeless or when they feel like, when is this going to end? Or they have the questions of, I don't know if I can go on. How am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to walk through the holidays without my person? I don't think that I can do this. Um, I remind them of scripture that says we have hope as an anchor for our soul. And let's, let's take a picture of that. What is, what is an anchor? you don't see what happens when the anchor hits the bottom of the ocean, right? Like you don't see it, but you trust that it's going to hold that boat in place. You're trusting that you're not going to go anywhere. Even if the winds get hard, even if the storm comes, you're going to stay put. And I encourage that the hope that you place, if you're not a believer, consider what you're placing your hope in, make sure that it's something that's rock solid. And yeah, as a believer, I know that the only place that is rock solid is, is my father in heaven. Like Mm. that's the only place that I know that is not going to fail. That is not going to disappoint me or anything like that. And so, so yeah, holding on to hope is if nothing else, if you can't follow anything on that list or anything else, holding on to hope is the biggest thing that you can do because it will tell you that it's going to be okay on the other side. I think, did y'all title this a thrill of hope or have y'all been talking about a thrill of hope? The series is called a thrill of hope. Yeah. Series. Okay. So when we look at the song, it says a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And that has been such a powerful song this year for whatever reason. I don't know why, but I almost cried or I was crying in church the other day. Um, But just thinking about that phrase, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. When Jesus was born, his birth meant that we can rejoice, that no matter how tired we are, no matter how hopeless that we might potentially have felt, we now have hope because he has come. He has been born and we celebrate that this season. And in the midst of our grief, if nothing else, remember that our Savior was born. And that's what the purpose of this season is, is, is about. It's not about giving gifts. It's not about, you know, the Christmas tree or how many Hallmark movies we watch, Laura. I think it's, <laughs> it's about. <I'll> you out. <laughs> I'm sorry, I love you. That was me last year. We're fine. Hashtag <laughs> happily ever after. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, the purpose of this season is about the birth of our savior, the one who came to take away our grief. Yeah. And so that's what we hold on to is that he was born for this moment, for this purpose. And that's why we rejoice when we're weary, when we're tired, we have him. And so, yeah, you got something to say, LB. I can see the light bulb. Go ahead now. I did, but I think it's, I think it's all like that yeah. last statement answered all of it. Um, okay. 
because I I really think it is the no matter what the outside world looks like and no matter what you look like to the outside world no matter what your actions are if they are staying in bed if they are going through the motions of just getting up and going to work and doing the thing the next day I think it is that we hold on to this hope and it is the um, yeah like this is this whole season that we say Christmas is so hard and this time of year is so hard. And uh, one of the tweets that you read, he said, you know, can you skip, can I just skip December? Mm-hmm. And when I first read that, like in my guts, I was like, uh-huh, you sure can. If it is too hard for you, <laughs> you absolutely can. <laughs> but I think just what, Haley, what you just said of, But this is what our Savior came for, and this is what Jesus came for, and this is what he was born for and what he died for. And our our hurt and our pain and our grief, that went down on the cross with him. And so even though we feel those feelings and we have that hurt and we have that inside of us, there is still the hope that... Not only is this not how it's supposed to be, this is not what eternity looks like. Yeah. And I think for those those who are Christians and those who believe, which this sounds so weird to anybody that doesn't, <laughs> but like, man, like that is that is our hope in this season. That is our hope of Christmas is really hard. And also Christmas is the reason why we can get through this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Haley, to close out the episode, we're going to do what we do at the end of every episode, and that's highlight a company that's doing good in the world. And one thing that the listeners may not know is we usually let the guest pick um, the company or the nonprofit that we're highlighting. So today is your choice, and we wanted to let you um, give us your spill about the company you want to highlight. Um, so I would like to highlight Refuge of Light. They are a um, sex trafficking organization or a safe haven for those who have been sex trafficked. Um, and they bring, you know, advocacy and awareness and care to girls who have either been through domestic sex trafficking um, or those who are at risk. Um, and they have residential programs, non-residential programs. And so they were just an organization um, that when I was going to school here in Tyler, that they just kind of, I don't know, I just really believed in them. And it was whenever their um, organization just really, you know, took off. And so um, I have a heart for girls and um, from hard, hard backgrounds. And so this is just a ministry that really reaches out to them, um, to a population that not a lot of people really think about. And so I love that they provide a safe home, um, and a safe place for those girls. Awesome. Mm -hmm. We will, um, share more information about that as well. And there'll be more information on how you can find out how to support them in our show notes. And 
I think that about wraps it up. Haley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast tonight. Thank you all for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Brid. It was so fun. It was. Elizabeth Ross said, The reality is that you will grieve forever. You will not get over the loss of a loved one. You will learn to live with it. You will heal and you will rebuild yourself around the loss you have suffered. You will be whole again, but you will never be the same, nor should you be the same, nor would you want. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please make sure you're liking us, following us, retweeting us, downloading, subscribing, and all the things to help get the word out about our podcast. Don't forget to head over to our website, pearlsandvodka.com backslash tweets and tonic pod and register your email address to receive our newsletter on Friday and be registered to win $50. Cheers, y'all, and go do some good.